At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, warmer Bobo! Welcome to Bobby Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We have an excellent podcast coming up for you guys. Join me in segment number two. We are going to be joined by one of our good friends in Tristan Freeman, who does absolutely incredible work over at Boston Brackets. We're going to be chatting with him about what he's all been seeing in college basketball recently, the lay of the land in the ACC, just what we got on a tremendous Saturday in college basketball, and so much more. Tristan does such a great job taking a look at this great game that we all know and love. So we're going to have a lot of fun chatting with him in segment number two. In the final segment, going to get you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Sunday as we had some bank shots. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at Jaden underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other way, that is fine an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter slash X questions today, but we had a great day of college basketball on Saturday. Let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. One of the most harebrained games of the night happened quite late as we saw a complete and utter ref show out there in Waco. We saw a banked in three that got waked off at the end as well as Baylor. They were able to get the win just oh so barely by a count of 70 to 68 up against Iowa State for Baylor. They had their coach toss in this game as he was apparently leaving the box. That is not great to say the least and you have to be feeling like Hey, it was a what-the-heck situation with Scott Drew out there because I have no idea what he was doing in this game that was different than any other game, but that's just me. Iowa State, they really killed themselves at the free line as well. They went just 19 out of 32 at the charity stripe. 
For Baylor, it was all about Ray J. Dennis being able to give the team 18 points. That was big. Now, Baylor, 20 turnovers in this game, but they went 12 of 23 from three-par range to be able to offset it. Another under for Iowa State, by the way. They were able to get that one through, but Iowa State, they come up just short in this one. They were able to cover in a lot of places two and a half, but it was very much a nip and tuck and very much a strange game out there in the Big East. There was nothing strange about this. It was UConn just doing what UConn does. They were absolutely able to take it to St. John's by kind of 77 to 64 for St. John's. They go just 4 of 14 from three-par inch. UConn 7 of 15 from distance. Dennis Jenkins was able to throw in their 19 points for St. John's. But Tristan Newton, he had 18 points, 10 boards, 7 assists. And well, he also had 6 turnovers in this game. As well as Cam Spencer won 5 of 7 from three-par inch. UConn, they just continue to get it done time and time again. They have been a rock-solid cover team over the last few years. And they get this one done as UConn now 13-9 and against the spread. Your best cover team out there in the Big East, by the way, that'd be Xavier. They were able to just lay it on DePaul 93 to 68. This is just a sad DePaul team at this point. They are 7 14 and 1 against the spread, despite the fact that now they're just getting gob tons of points for being sad. So that's a really bad state of affairs. And Marquette, they took it to Georgetown 91 to 57. Not a lot of fight with some of these home underdogs recently. You're going to find that out in a few minutes. The unranked teams that are home favorites. They have been very good. The actual home underdogs have not been so good. So that's something that you do want to be discerning. We saw this ranked team lose at home in TCU. They fall to Texas by a count of 77 to 66. It has been a wobble year for Texas, but they do go 6 of 12 from three-point range. TCU actually goes 7 of 12 from three-point range themselves, but for TCU, they were... Not able to win the turnover battle. They lose at 16 to 14. And for Texas, they win the rebound battle 34 to 21. As it was all about Dylan Mitchell in this game 11 points, 13 points, 11 rebounds. That was not as impressive of a showing as this. So, in my opinion, the biggest game of the day, and that's no disrespect to UNC versus Duke, but Houston, their first trip to Allen Fieldhouse as a member of the Big 12. Did not go as planned. Kansas shoots 69% from the floor. 78-65 to the final. Now, for Kansas, they lost the turnover battle 18-3, to but they won the rebound battle 40-24. to I can't remember the last time Houston just got completely outgunned on the glass like this. As you had Juwan Roberts ship in there, 13 rebounds. Joseph Tugler, he had 8 rebounds. The rest of the team had a combined 2 rebounds in this game. That was absolutely wild for Kansas. You had Johnny Furphy be able to step up once again. 17 points, 8 boards. Kansas all of a sudden has been able to find their way. Very good win there and a very nice win for San Diego State. They're able to take down Utah State by a count of 81-67. to For Utah State, they go just 6 of 23 from 3-par range. Meanwhile, San Diego State, one of their best scoring outputs of the year, they were able to go 9 of 20 from distance, 16 points apiece from Jay Powell and Jaden Ladee. Powell is really starting to step up for the team. And Great Osborne was able to have his 17 points, but didn't have a lot of help around him from his teammates. How about this team going to now 18-3 and against the spread? Minnesota in overtime. They take down Northwestern by a count of 75-66. to And Northwestern had control of this game throughout. As a matter of fact, they were up 8 points with less than 5 minutes and 45 seconds remaining. 
But for Minnesota, they did have on their side Elijah Hawkins, who was able to give out 10 assists to four turnovers, 13 points. Dawson Garcia was able to chip in their 20 points for Northwestern, even though they shot it so well from three points, they lost the turnover battle as well, 17 to 12. So a big win for your best cover team in all of college basketball. And Michigan State, they were able to get a win in cover in terms of Big Ten action as well, 63 to 54. This has been a Maryland team that has been pretty darn good to the under all season long. Michigan State. They have not been too shabby on this front as well as for Maryland. Now 15 unders to 7 overs thus far this season as they go 7 of 30 from 3 points. But they go 13 of 13 at the free throw line. But for Michigan State, 19 points apiece. Adam Lee Hall, Ty Walker, that was able to get it done for them. And then you saw Rutgers get another under as well. They've now played 15 unders to 6 overs. They take it to Michigan on the road 69 to 59 as for Rutgers, they were actually down 9 points at the half. And then Michigan got outgunned 39 to 20 in the second half. This has just been sad for Michigan as they lose the turnover battle in this one, 19 to 9. You did have 15 rebounds, 5 blocks, and 12 points out of Terrace Reed, but Man, this has been a relatively rough team to watch, to say the least, in Michigan. And ever since that great 3-0 start, Michigan 4-15 and straight up. Not a whole heck of a lot better against the spread. And by the way, Northwestern now 14 overs, 7 unders, and a push for them. So they have been one of your better over teams out there in all of college basketball. But the best over team in all of college basketball, that would actually be Kentucky. Kentucky, they get housed by Tennessee as they allow north of 100 points in this one. Tennessee able to get it done by kind of 103 to 92. Not a typical game that you see between Kentucky and Tennessee as Kentucky was able to go 12 of 27 for three points. Reed Shepard, 16 points on four of seven outside shooting. But for Tennessee, they had just seven turnovers in this game. They won that rebound battle. 44 to 38 with Jonas Adu being able to supply 11 points, 11 rebounds. Zakai Ziegler, double double of his own, 26 points, 13 assists for Tennessee. You also had Josiah Jordan James chip in there, 26 points, 4 of 9 from three point range. Kentucky is right now having defense elude them, and they were unable to get it done there. And for Wright State, they were trying to be the right side, but they are going to be playing on Sunday. They're your next best team with regards to the over rates. 16 overs to 500 side with Kentucky for the best mark in all of college basketball. And Arkansas Pine Bluff has been playing a lot of overs as well because they do a relatively solid job with their offense. They play absolutely no defense whatsoever. And that was on full display on Saturday. They gave up 77 points of Mississippi Valley State, but they scored 83 of their own. Mississippi State put up 49 points in the second half. That's about what they put up in a normal game, but for Arkansas Pine Bluff, they go on the road, they get a win. No cover as they were about a 10 to a 10 and a half point favorite, 83 to 77 the final. Mississippi Valley State gets to 77 points in this game despite going 8 of 40 from three-point range. I'm not even kidding when I say that because they went 23 of 30 at the free throw line. And for Mississippi Valley State, they did have just four turnovers in this game. Arkansas Pine Bluff, they went 28 of 41 at the free throw line. This was a harebrained and crazy game. So that was very fascinating to say the least what we got out there in the SWAC. And the SWAC can sometimes be just a whole lot of fun. And if you're looking at your best under team at all of college basketball, that would be Dartmouth. After being completely held down by Cornell on Friday, it looked like they were going to explode. They were down by kind of 45 to 33 at the half, and then the second half died to cash you yet another under. 72 to 56 a final. A grand total of 50 points in the second half in this one as 
These two teams combined for, I believe it was seven points in the final 320 to just kill this over. For Columbia, they go 11 of 25 for three points, but 7 of 15 at the free throw line. Dartmouth won 13 of 22 at the free throw line. So another under was able to cash there. One of your better under teams in all of college basketball as well as actually in the power conferences. That would be Vanderbilt. They played another under as they take down Missouri by a count of 68 to 61. And these are two of the saddest power conference teams you're going to find an all of college basketball for Vanderbilt. They go 5-22 from three-point. Missouri, 7-26 of from three-point. But Missouri outgunned on the glass as Vanderbilt was able to win that battle 42-31. to And both of these teams are just not doing their part when it comes to being able to cover spreads. For Vanderbilt, this cover was able to take them to 9-11-1 against the spread. Meanwhile, Missouri... 5-17 and 17 against the spread thus far this season. And if you are looking at your worst against the spread team in all of college basketball, that would be Detroit. And they are still winless as Detroit, they get lambasted on Saturday by a count of 75-67 against Robert Morris. Looks like Detroit might finally be able to bust through, but Robert Morris was able to put some separation between they and the Titans late for Robert Morris. They win this game despite shooting 7-28 from three-point range because for Detroit, they had 18 total rebounds in this game. Marquise Hastings and Josh Corbin, between the two of them, they had 21 rebounds in this game. Far from terrific, to say the least. And another team that has been very interesting with regards to totals out there in the Rising League, Oakland. They have been playing just a whole bunch of overs. They had another one against Cleveland State, 83-71 to the final. This is an Oakland team that has outcashed three straight overs for you. And really, since conference play, I believe that since the beginning of the month of January, all but three of their games have been going over the total. So they've been able to do a relatively solid job with that regard. Old Dominion very nearly blew a cover after being in the lead in the second half against James Madison. This was another harebrained game, but Old Dominion, they improved to 6-16 six against the spread. They have been one of your worst cover teams in all of college basketball for Old Dominion. They fall by a count of 78-63. to 63. James Madison, by the way, now playing a whole lot of unders right now, but for James Madison, they go 7-16 to 16 from three-point. They won the turnover battle 15-11 to 11 as well, so James Madison, after a very shaky start, they were able to do a solid job there. Pacific, along with Missouri, are tied for second worst with regards to cover rate in all of college basketball. For Missouri, they're now 5-17 and 17 against the spread, as I mentioned before, but for Pacific, they were able to get a cover on Saturday, 79-73. to 73. They held in there against San Francisco. Keep in mind, San Francisco was taken overtime by Pacific first time these two teams played, so maybe Pacific has just figured out something that nobody else has against San Francisco. As for the Dons, Jonathan Mogbo, 15 points, 14 rebounds. They won the rebound battle 36-21, but they did lose the turnover battle 16-13, to and for Pacific, you were able to get 22 big points out of Cam Denson for them to be able to hang in there, so yay, verily there. While Minnesota is your top cover team in all of college basketball, this team is hot on their heels. South Carolina now 17-5 against the spread. They take down Georgia thanks to outscoring them 34-22 in the second half. 72-62 the final for Georgia. They go just 9 of 28 from three-point range. Meanwhile, South Carolina goes 7 of 20 from three-point range. South Carolina just did all the little things in this game. They won the rebound battle 34-28 out of their made buckets. They had 29 in total. 25 of them were assisted. They play even up with the guards. The turnovers 9-9. So a very nice showing there. And how about Texas A&M Corpus Christi now becoming your second best cover eight team in all of college basketball. They got the job done against Lamar 79-71 the final. They were laying about three and a half points Corpus Christi was as for old Texas A&M Corpus Christi. 
This has been a team that's done a really good job of generating turnovers, winning that turnover battle by kind of 15 to 8. They also won the rebound battle with Dane Prim coming in off the bench. 19 points, 7 boards out of him. So another quality cover for our good friends over there with the Highlanders. You had Richmond come into the day smoking hot, and they were able to keep things going. They're now 16-5-1 against the spread, but they do lose to VCU by kind of 63-52, to so they were not able to expand that cover rate. This has been a VCU team that has very much been all over the place, and they've been a relatively solid under team as well, but for VCU, they just go 5 of 18 from 3 par inch. Better than Richmond's 3 of 18 from 3 par inch, as both of these teams were about as cold as an igloo. Max Shoga was able to chip in their 15 points, and despite not having Cam Barrisell, VCU, they're able to go in there, and they're able to get the job done. Monmouth has been another one of your good cover teams as far this season, and for Monmouth, they do lose outright, but they were able to get to the window against Delaware. 84-80 to the final. Delaware was laying about 6.5 points in this one, and it looked like Delaware was going to be able to get the cover. They were up 7 points with about 2.30 remaining, but Xander Rice, he was able to pull off his heroics. 24 points, took him 20 shots to be able to get there, but for Delaware, 10-21 from 3 inch. 18 out of 28 at the free throw line did cost them this cover. If you're looking at a few other ranked teams that were in action on Saturday as well, you were able to get a big giant win from Cincinnati on the road to be able to down Texas Tech 75 to 72. The final for Texas Tech, they go 5 of 15 from three point range, but 19 of 24 at the free throw line. Sadly, that was not enough as Cincinnati 10 of 10 at the charity stripe, and Cincinnati has been winning the rebound battle all season long. They did that 39 to 35 against Texas Tech. So. Very good showing there. Our DK Network right a pick of the over was on the fritz at halftime between Florida Atlantic and Tulsa. Very cold start and then we got 105 points in the second half. Florida Atlantic gets their second cover in American Conference play and Florida Atlantic, they get the job done 102-70. to This Tulsa team is just getting absolutely cooked on defense and for Tulsa, they do their part for the over despite going 4 of 28 from 3 point range. As for Florida Atlantic, every one of your starters was able to get to at least 11 points in this one, including John L. Davis with 24 points. So, a very glorious win there. And how about a glorious win for Auburn? They were able to go on the road. They took it to Ole Miss by kind of 91 to 77. This Auburn team has been quite solid against the spread themselves. 14 and 8 for Auburn. Even though they were trailing at the half, they did not get away from their game. And they went 12 of 27 from three-point range. Meanwhile, for Ole Miss, you did have Alan Flanagan supply the team with 20 points. But just not enough in this one. Arizona State, they are all sorts of wobbly. They were they are now 8 and 14 against the spread after they got just completely pounded. 81 to 66 by a Cal team that they have had an inconsistent year to say the least. But Cal goes 8 of 22 from three-point range. Arizona State, they shoot 38.5% from Florida, despite the fact that Arizona State was able to win the turnover battle 13-9. Did no good as Fardos Samick, Jalen Tyson, they combined for 24 rebounds and 37 points in this one. If you want to talk about a pounding, USC was able to put one on Oregon State, and this is a USC team that's been all sorts of ghastly thus far this season, but for USC, they're able to go in there and they're able to get the job done by a count of 82-54. to This Oregon State team is just is not the same team in a roadside surgical environment rather than at home. And for USC, they only won 5-23 from 3 par range, but they did a nice job going down low as DJ Rodman off the bench. 12 points, 14 rebounds. You were able to have a double-figure amount of points 
points out of Harrison Hornery, who was able to give you about 14 points. He had 12 points out of Kijani Wright as well. So the reserves came in and they actually gave this USC team a little bit of fight. That is something that you do want to see. And I was mentioning with Oregon State, they've got some funky home and road splits, but at the very least, they aren't Mississippi State and Middle Tennessee State. A pair of teams that are now 0-6 against the spread on the road as Alabama had one of the most impressive showings on the day. They are able to take down Mississippi State 99-67 as for Mississippi State, they allowed Alabama to go 15-48 of 48 from three-point ranges. Alabama State just kept grabbing rebounds. They had 20 total offensive rebounds. They win the rebound battle 48-37. to 37. You were able to have four different guys score double figures, including a pair of guys coming in off the bench. Mohamed Bate was able to supply 14 points, and you got 14 out of Jaron Stevenson. So a very good showing from Alabama. And then when it comes to the other team that is currently coverless on the road, that would be Middle Tennessee. They got completely pounded by Western Kentucky, 88-65 to as Middle Tennessee went 11-42 of from three-point. This is not a good three-point shooting team, and yet they continue to hoist them up. So that has been a little bit less than tremendous. What has been tremendous, though, is the way that this team has performed on the road. New Hampshire now 10-2 and against the spread in two road games. They go on the road, and they take it to UMass Lowell, 89-73, the final four. New Hampshire, they go 14-27 of from three-point range. You had off the bench for UMass Lowell, Quinton Mincy go 11-20 of for 25 points, but for this New Hampshire team, how about... Oh, Daniels, Mr. Clarence Daniels, being able to supply the team with 32 points, 12 boards. Jackson Baker chips in there 28 points. New Hampshire wins the rebound battle 40-37. to A very good showing from them. And out there in the America East, by the way, harebrained results of the day. UMBC, 114 Albany 102 as these two teams scored a grand total of, I want to make sure I do the math right in my head, 127 points in the second half. Albany goes 15 of 39 from three-point range. They just played at warp speed in this one as in a losing effort, Tyler Bertram for Albany go off for 36 points. Meanwhile, you had Deion Brown for UMBC, 29 points, 12 boards, 3 assists in this one. So... When it comes to top cover teams in college basketball at home, you've got Lamar Moore at State and Southern. All have yet to fail to cover a game at home thus far this season. Unfortunately, all those teams, well, they were not at home on this Saturday. That said, this was a team that was at home on Saturday, and they were able to get the job done as it has been a very good year for Charlotte thus far this season. 67-52, they're able to take down Eastern Carolina. East Carolina goes just 4-21 of from three. Now for Charlotte, they themselves only went about 4-17 of from distance, but Igor Milicic was able to supply 12 points, 10 rebounds down low, so they were able to get it done. Alabama, by the way, they are now 10-2 and against the spread at home thus far this season, but this has been an underrated flamethrower with regards to being able to make you some money as well. I've talked about them a little bit on the podcast. The old Troy Trojans, they were on the road on this day, but they get it done by kind of 78-74. to Troy has covered north of 70% of their games overall. At home, they're 8-1-1 and against the spread. They were able to do this with being able to get their defense going just enough to be able to supply the W as they were able to win the rebound battle 48-32. to You were able to get 20 big points in this one out of Miles Rigsby as well. So another quality result from Troy. And you're looking at teams that just have not been good at home thus far this season. Memphis is now 1-10 against the spread at home. They were able to get the win against Wichita State, but it was grimy. 65-63. to 
the final for Memphis. They had to claw their way back in this game as well as Wichita State was up 58-47 to with about six minutes to play. Memphis was able to be bailed out by the fact that Dobby Jones had 26 points and went 4 of 8 from 3 point range. But man, things have not necessarily been too tremendous there. You've got Loyal Maryland, by the way, who is currently 0-8 against the spread at home. Alabama State is 0-4 against the spread at home. Hampton, gotta give a shout out to them. They were the one team that I typoed on the spreadsheet. I accidentally made them a favorite instead of an underdog against Howard. Now, it's all a little bit of an edge, so with regards to Hampton, I personally took the points, but kudos to anyone that took that money line and was able to get there. That actually paid out at like plus 250, so we'll take it out. We can get it on this podcast, but that's that when it comes to Loyal Maryland and their lack of coverage when they are at home. They lose to Holy Cross outright by a count of 70 to 67. They were a two and a half point favorite in this one, and for Holy Cross, they have been wholly okay recently. They go 8 of 14 from three-point range, and for Loyal Maryland, they win the rebound battle by kind of 29 to 28, but and it's not necessarily been too tremendous for them. Missouri, by the way, they are now 2-10 and 10 against the spread at home. And another team that's just not been able to cover spreads at home thus far this season is Idaho State. Idaho State out there in the big sky, they have went just 1-5 and five against the spread when they've been at home. But you know what? You get them on the road and you're able to get better results as they took down Northern Arizona by kind of 81-79 to 79 to be able to cash you a nice little plus money ticket there. So that's about as good of a roundup as you're going to get without doing like every single one of the 100 million billion games that we did see on Saturday, but if you're looking at the entirety of the season in college basketball, home underdogs are taking it on the chin. 485, 509, and 17 against the spread. That's 48.8%. Overs are still hitting like wildfire. 1,909 overs, 1,803 unders. That is a 51.4% rate on overs. And if you take a look at the last seven days in college basketball, it has been overwhelming. 169 overs to 161 unders. That's about 51.2% to the over. And home underdogs, 48, 55, and 1 against the spread. And home teams overall hitting at just 46.2% over the last seven days. 153, 178, and 5. So that's what we're seeing right now in college basketball, and that's what we all got on Saturday. Now, let's talk with our good friend Tristan Freeman to recap what was a tremendous Saturday, some of the things that stood out with him, the ACC landscape, and take a look at Purdue versus Wisconsin for Sunday. That's up next right here on Cuscus with myself, Greg Peters, and now a part of the Eastern Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. 
With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Las Vegas, Recruits Kids, with myself, Craig Peterson, now part of the Beast Family of Podcast. It is always great to be joined by this man, as Tristan Freeman. He does absolutely incredible work over at Boston Brackets, taking a look at this great game of basketball that we all know and love. I know that he was very busy on Saturday as he was in attendance for the Pittsburgh win over Notre Dame. 
He's been doing a tremendous job really looking at all 362 Division I teams over there at Bus and Brackets. And you're able to follow him on Twitter, slash X, at Hoops351. And Tristan, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me, Greg. Appreciate it. It's been a very busy Saturday for sure. Oh, it certainly has been a busy Saturday. And my goodness gracious, we saw a lot of big-time results. But what did you make out of all the ACC action that we saw? Because certainly we saw some surprises like, Louisville being able to handle Florida State the way that they did. But that said, I think that the game that so many people are going to be buzzing about is what we saw out there in the great state of North Carolina with the Tar Heels being able to defend home court. Yeah, and this was one they had coming considering the beatdowns that Duke's been giving them lately. I mean, Armando Baycott, who who hasn't been his normal self when it comes to an offensive production, really just dominated Kyle Filipowski. And the one you know viral moment was when the whole team did the too low whenever – Baycott got that bucket on him, had an outstanding night with over 25 points, another double-double. And, you know, Harrison Ingram, who probably is the second-best player on the team, you know, he had another fantastic game as well. When you have those guys playing well and R.J. Davis giving you 20 points almost every game, it's going to be really difficult to beat them. And and Duke didn't necessarily even play that bad on the road. They had a few 20-point scores, but, you know, they just ultimately came up short on a defensive end, and, North Carolina took business at home and cemented themselves as a clear ACC regular season title favorite. And considering, you know, the previous loss to Georgia Tech, it was a a needed bounce back effort from them. Yeah, it certainly was. And it was a very good bounce back effort for them as North Carolina right now has been playing some really solid defense on Saturday. It was much more of the offensive show really for both of those teams, but it was quite a showing out there in North Carolina and I think that there's no debate. Those are the top two teams out there in the ACC as of right now. But the rest of the ACC did have some very interesting results as well. You were in attendance, as I was alluding to, to Pittsburgh, being able to get the job done against Notre Dame. We saw Virginia go on the road and take Clemson as well. And I thought that that was one of the biggest moments from Saturday as well. Virginia team has been a little bit wobbly when they've been away from home. Being able to get that big road win against the Clemson team that all of a sudden It's sliding. We've seen this before, unfortunately, but I thought that that was one of the bigger results for Saturday as well, even though it was involving a pair of unranked teams. Yeah, I thought with the exception of Florida State, you know, who's had a really good start in SEC play, just fumbling to Louisville and destroying any slimmer chance they had on the bubble, I thought the favorites just really handled business. I mean, Miami is a tournament team when they play well and their offense is great. They had a big second half to overcome Virginia Tech. You mentioned Virginia, who's playing its best ball of the season, getting almost 20 points from Jacob Groves, who's sort of been coming to his own of late. They had a big needed win over Clemson. You know, Pitt, as you said, took care of Notre Dame. Wasn't the greatest offensive performance, but, you know, Notre Dame was one of the worst offensive teams in the country. So getting 70 was more enough for them. And then NC State, you know, taking care of Georgia Tech, who was trailing at the half, that was a needed win because if NC State lost that, that would have been fatal to their bubble hopes. And then Wake Forest almost dropping 100 on Syracuse. There was like a small chance Syracuse had to get on to be on the bubble and have a resume. This past week was just really poor defensive efforts from them. Wake Forest still has some hope after losing to Pitt. You know, they're they're sort of in that middle. They're going to have to find a way to get a win over Duke and North Carolina if they're going to feel good about their tournament hopes. But But they're a good team. And as you saw on Saturday, They can score on just about anyone. Yep, they certainly can, and that was a tremendous effort that we did see on Saturday. As joining me on the show, we do have Tristan Freeman, who does great work over at Boston Brackets, joining me on Coast Coast Hoops. And 
I feel like there are some people that might have been a little bit surprised by this, but I think that when you take a look at it a little bit more, this shouldn't have been so much of a shock with Kansas absolutely taking it to Houston. I felt like that was one of the biggest games of the day. And just what did you make out of that result? Because I'm not really stocked down at all on Houston, but I did think that with Houston being in their first year in the Big 12, having to travel to the fog for the first time, that was a really, really tough spot for them. They were able to battle back a little bit in the second half, but if you took a look at the first half, that game was pretty much done when you got to halftime with Kansas having that big lead. And for Houston, I feel like that might have been just a little bit of a wake-up call for them. Yeah, the biggest thing was just the defense. I mean, yeah, Kansas was making some good shots, but Houston just gave no resistance early on. And this is the same Houston team that lost their first two road games to start league play. And as they figured out, you know, any road game in the Big 12 is going to be incredibly difficult. I thought Kansas was really up for this game because Houston was first place in the conference. And, you know, they were sort of the new guy in the neighborhood trying to take charge and say, hey, we're the best team. And Kansas just made clear, you know, hey, the Big 12 runs through us no matter what. And they had a huge statement game. And look, if you're going to get these kind of performances from Johnny Furphy, you know, for a team that doesn't have any depth at all, if their whole entire starting lineup is now playing at a quality level, that suddenly makes them true title contenders. I think the score and depth outside of Dickinson and McCuller was sort of the big question. But now with Johnny Furphy being a consistent double-digit score, now we might have to take another look at them and say, hey, this team truly can win it all. We thought they could at the beginning of the year. Some weaknesses were shown, but now it looks like their strengths are starting to be even bigger than any weaknesses they could have. Yep, with Kansas getting Johnny Furphy to be able to fire it out cylinders the way that he has, I think that that is so massive because I feel like you were sort of in the same boat as me with Kansas. Very good top-end talent, but not necessarily a lot of depth and how big is it for Kansas that now Johnny Furphy has been able to step up? Because I believe that's now six straight games of double figures with him. You sort of knew that the potential is there, but it feels like the light has come on. And dare I say, he's been one of the best freshmen in all of college basketball and conference play. Yeah, I mean, he had a rough start and he wasn't playing necessarily as much compared to others. I think the Nick Timberlake experiment, they tried to give him as many opportunities. I think he played like fewer than five minutes again. So clearly it's Furphy's job on the wing and they're good enough to score as long as McCuller and Dickinson have big games and you'll you'll get some, you'll get some good production from KJ Adams as well. But, you know, Furphy, you know, he may have hit his freshman wall early and is now on a roll. And again, if he plays like this, they truly can win a national title. I agree with you. I think that that was so big for Kansas because you knew that Hunter Dickinson was going to be able to step up for this team. Harris does a nice job. will be able to do off the ball. And Kevin McCuller has been Mr. Do-It-All. But, man, now that you've got Johnny Furphy being able to put it in there from three, giving this team some nice versatility, I really love the upside of them. As joining me on the show, we do have Tristan Freeman, who does such tremendous work over at Boston Brackets, and he's joining me on Coast to Coast Soups. And certainly there's going to be a lot of people taking note of all these top teams that were able to step up and they were able to get big wins. But I felt like it was a really good day for the mid-majors as well because we had a big Indiana State versus Drake game. Indiana State, they didn't have necessarily quite their normal offensive output, but they were able to go in there. They were able to get it done. 
those top teams out in the Ivy League, they were all able to get nice wins as well. So I thought that that was very encouraging for them. You've got UC Irvine that just keeps on trucking along. You're able to go down the list. But I mean, out of all the mid-majors, is there one or two, whether that be from Saturday, because we had a lot of teams in action, but we saw a lot of mid-majors on Thursday. We saw a lot of mid-majors on Friday that really stood out to you. And you're thinking, man, this is a really nice team that if they get into the NCAA tournament, they could perhaps be dangerous. Well, considering all the results, it's sort of hard to follow. Follow all of them, but you mentioned before Drake and Indiana State. I think both of those teams are are capable of going on a run. I mean, Drake has one best players in the country in Tucker DeVries, who's an outstanding scorer. Indiana State with their do it all big man in Avila, and the fact that they have so many talented three point scores. I think you know you want to find a way to see if both of them can get into him. And I think Indiana State probably has the better chance with their resume. But you really do not want to see either of these teams. Assuming one of them gets the 12th spot, whichever five they go up against is going to is going to be in some real danger. Yeah, I agree with you. That Missouri Valley Conference tournament is certainly going to be a whale of one once again. So that's one that I'm going to be very much looking forward to. And that was a big-time result that we did see on Saturday. As joining me on the show, we do have Tristan Freeman, who does such tremendous work over at Boston Brackets, joining me on Coast to Coast Soups. And I do want to hit that game that you were in attendance for as well, that Pittsburgh versus Notre Dame game, because Pittsburgh is able to get the job done. It was right in the middle of the Vegas line, by the way. It was an opener of 11, closed a lot of places in that neighborhood about nine to nine and a half. So took it early with Notre Dame and North of Double Figures. You got there, took it late with Pittsburgh. You were able to get there as well. But what did you make out of both teams? Because Notre Dame, no doubt about it, they're not going to be an NCAA tournament team. But I actually think that Micah Shrewsbury has done a really good job coaching up a team that we all thought was going to be terrible. And for Pittsburgh, though the offense has been leaving a little bit of something to be desired recently, this defense is really proving that it is for real. Yeah, I mean, the game was tied at 30 early in the second half, and it was played at Notre Dame's pace. They've been very feisty and competitive overall in league play, even though the record says that they're bad. And look, they're not a good team, clearly rebuilding, but they do have pieces to work with. But, you know, whenever Bub Carrington, the freshman star for Pittsburgh, when he has a good game, they're going to be difficult to beat. He's been inconsistent, but he, he's a very talented scorer, has 16 again. Blake Henson was 17, only taking seven shots from the field. And it's like it who was injured through the middle of the league play, and that's when Pitt was losing. He's now back. He's now coming off the bench as now an elite six man have 12 points again and just giving them good production. When those guards are hitting, can be very dangerous, as Pitt found out. They still got work to do, but they, they finally took care of business at home, and they have two really big opportunities on the road in NC State and Virginia. If you could at least split them or potentially get two of them, now you're really back on the bubble because one of the few strengths they do have resume-wise is they already have six true road wins, and that's not something that not many power conference teams can say right now. Yes, I am right there with you. And with this Pittsburgh team, there was a lot of question mark for them a few weeks ago prior to them being able to pick up some of these bigger wins. That win against Duke I thought was massive. It wasn't necessarily the prettiest performance on Saturday, but being able to get the job done against Notre Dame, I thought that that was a really nice sign for them. And Tristan, throughout this chat, we've been highlighting a lot of teams that have been able to do a lot of good things. And I'll give a little bit of lip service to Alabama getting it done once again against Mississippi State. Just an absolute mulling in that one as well. But is there a team or two that there's a little bit of concern with? Because for me, the team that I'm thinking of right now is a team that was able to win on Saturday. But boy, 
It was not great with Memphis. They barely get by Wichita State. It has been wobbly for them the last few weeks. So that has been a little bit of a concerning team. But is there a team or two that you take a look at, and whether that be a result from Saturday or just what you've seen the last few weeks, that now you're just becoming a little bit more socked down on? I think it was a good day overall for some of the bubble teams in the Big 12. Texas got a key win at TCU, Cincinnati was able to get a victory. But one team who fell was Kansas State. And they lost at Oklahoma State. And of all the Big 12 teams, West Virginia and Oklahoma State are just teams that you can't afford to lose to because they're truly the, the, the bad losses. And now Kansas State has lost four straight, including to Oklahoma, at Houston, at Iowa State. They're now, in, they're now under 500 in league play. And the resume isn't the over the strongest because Providence in overtime Villanova, LSU, like those wins don't necessarily stand up. And, you know, outside of Baylor, they haven't done much in league play either. So they're going to have to start winning some games. And their upcoming schedule is brutal because they got Kansas at home, BYU on the road, and TCU. They're going to have to find a way to win two of those to start feeling good. Otherwise, they're going to be sliding down. And then Jerome Tank can join the coaching carousel of guys who's been linked to other jobs to just suddenly start losing out of nowhere. Yeah, with this Kansas State team, it really felt like some of those wins were full score. It felt like half of their wins were coming in overtime by like one or two points and now starting to catch up with them just a little bit. So I do agree with you. They have been looking very wobbly, but I do want to remember one more thing and ask you about this game with regards to Wisconsin versus Purdue. That is going to be going down on Sunday. It's going to be an absolutely titanic matchup that's happening early in the AM. Just what do you make out of this sort of a matchup? Because I truly do think that Purdue is the top team in the Big Ten, whether they win or lose against Wisconsin. But this would be an absolutely tremendous win for Wisconsin if they're able to pick it up, in my opinion, at the Kohl Center, a game which they are going to need if they're going to be able to win the Big Ten. Yeah, Wisconsin may have been looking ahead to this matchup because they gave up a huge lead to Nebraska on Thursday and ended up losing that game. But I'm not worried about Wisconsin as, you know, an NCAA tournament team. I think they still do have a shot to compete for the title because Purdue on the road has been very vulnerable. They already have a couple of losses and nearly lost to Rutgers last week. And then they also may have been looking ahead, too, because they had to go to overtime to beat Northwestern. You know, Purdue, obviously, they're, they're a title contender. There's no questions with them. But you, you do want to see them dominate more. And we'll see if they can do that away from home in a huge matchup for both teams. Yep, it absolutely is. I do think that Purdue should be able to pull this one out, but right now the betting line is between two and two and a half, and I could easily see this one being a one-possession game that Purdue just barely is able to eke out. So we're in for a good one on Sunday, and we're always in for great content when we follow you, Tristan. Let the good people at home know they're able to find all of your work, and let the good people at home know how to be able to just search you on Twitter slash X and just everything else that you do on social media and other platforms. Yes, sir. You can follow me at social media at Hoopsnut351 and also follow at Bustin' Brackets for all the latest college basketball news and stories when it comes to rankings and previews. And we'll be analyzing everything that's happened in these last two days for Monday and Tuesday. Absolutely. Tristan does such a good job taking a look at this great game that we all know and love of college basketball. And every single time he joins this podcast, lends such good insights. Big thanks to Tristan for joining me on Coast to Coast Hoops, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Sunday as we get some big shots. 
at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie, too, for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Or download the app today.
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops Peterson, now part of the Beats and Family Podcast. It is always great to get Tristan Freeman aboard. He does such good work over at Boston Brackets, taking a look at this great game that we all know and love. I know that he was hunkered down watching some Pittsburgh basketball Saturday night. He does a great job taking a look at the ACC, taking a look at the Pittsburgh basketball landscape, taking a look at all 362 D1 teams, and it's always a pleasure to get him aboard. A big thanks to Tristan for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Sunday as we hit some bank shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter slash X feed at unit underscore 81. We are going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation order with nothing on the extra games board. It makes things very easy today. We're just pretty much going in time order, so that'll be able to keep things all hunkered in and 
not cause for any confusion, which sometimes a betting board can cause for some confusion. So we like that. And let's get things started with 827-828 on the betting board. It is Davidson. They throw their facing off against Loyal Chicago. Loyal Chicago is a favorite of four points. Tons game is aimed between 134 and 134.5. I did set my total at a 137. I'm looking at the over. This is a Davidson team that has been a bottom 30 team with regards to total possessions per game. The problem with Davidson is that they're just playing absolutely no defense whatsoever. 243rd in all of college basketball with regards points a lot on a per-possession basis. Now, interestingly enough, they are actually giving up 3.5 points fewer per run on possessions at a road slash neutral court venue rather than at home, but at the same time with Davidson, man, it's been relatively rough with regards to their defense, and I do think that Loyal Chicago is going to be able to carve them up. This is a Loyal Chicago team that has been pretty stout with regards to their defense as well, and they've got some funky home and road splits as well. Loyal Chicago, 30th in all of college basketball with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis, and they are giving up about 18 points fewer per one-arm possessions at home rather than in a road-slash-shoot-record environment. And the key for Loyal Chicago is not giving up the three, which they've done quite a bit of. They're outside the top 225 with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage, and this is a Davidson team that they very much live and die by the three-ball. They've got pretty much everyone out there on the floor trying to attempt threes. They take north of 41% of their shots from three-point range as well. You've got Grant Huffman, who's been doing a little bit of everything for the season being able to supply about 10 points, nearly four and a half boards, five assists per contest. Got someone like David Skogman who comes in, gives you about 10 points, stands six for 10, shoots it relatively well from three-point range. And for Davidson, while they are a team that they do very much rely upon the three, they actually guard it halfway decent. They're a team that allows you to shoot about 32.5% from three. This balloons to closer to about 33.5% from distance in a roadside shoot court environment. But all in all, they've been able to do a relatively solid job, be able to hunker down there. They go up against the Loyal Chicago team that can attack you in quite a few ways though. You've got a pair of guys in Philip Olsen along with Desmond Watson who have both been able to give you about 13 points per contest. Watson is a former Davidson transfer actually. And out of your top five scorers, four of them for Loyal Chicago are shooting at least 40% from three-point range. With Loyal Chicago, they've actually got a top 75 rebound rate in all of college basketball despite the fact that not a single guy gives you north of five rebounds per game. They do a really good job of denying you second chances. They do not get any offensive rebounds themselves. So, sort of a negative make it and take it sort of game with the Loyal Chicago. They do turn the ball over 13 times for contest, but they also go up against a Davidson team that's not really imposing their will with regards to being able to generate turnovers. It has been a Loyal Chicago team that has been pretty consistent with regards to their offense as well. This team has gotten to at least 77 points in three of their last five games. I do think that you're going to see Davidson give it up just a little bit here. It's been a rough go of it for them on defense, giving up at least 69 points in four out of their last six games. And I do think that for Davidson, this is going to be a team that's going to be able to make some threes, but at the same time, I do think that they're going to be done and down low as they only have one player that's giving you north of five rebounds per game and Reed Bailey who's been also being able to spy about ten and a half points per contest, but I do think that Davidson with the fact that they just don't guard the interior whatsoever, that is going to come back to nip them in the butt in this one. I did set Loyal Chicago as a favorite of seven points in this spot. Davidson, by the way, while inside the top 225 with regards to opponent's two-point shooting percentage, so going to be looking at the over. I think that this game is close enough for late game felling as I did set my line at seven, so want to lay with Loyal Chicago and going to be taking a look at this total over. 829-830 on the bang board. Purdue, it's a road face-off against Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a home underdog of two and a half to two points. Still an game between 147 and 147 and a half. 
I also set Purdue at two. I'm seeing quite a few two and a halfs out there. Two and a half is my minimum buy point on Wisconsin. I do think that this is going to be another case where Purdue, they have to just scratch and claw to win. They're going to be able to do so, but I think that Wisconsin is going to be an almighty pass. And for Purdue, they should still be able to win the battle down low, but this is a Wisconsin team that has very much improved with regards to their rebounding. In terms of rebound rate, this is a team that ranks in the top 35 nationally. Stephen Kroll, Tyler Wall, they've been able to combine for about 13 and a half rebounds per game. Both give you a little bit over 11 points per contest. You've got Kroll, so shooting 48% from three-point. Now, the problem is you have to go up against Giant of the Earth and Zach Eady, and Zach Zach Eady has been absolutely tremendous, averaging a double-double. You see odds on favor to be able to win the wooden award. He gives you blocks. I mean, this guy does it all. And the biggest thing for Wisconsin is they need to hunker down and guard the arc. They are 307th in all of college basketball with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage. But the Cole Center has some magic, and they have been much better at home rather than away from home for Wisconsin. They're allowing opponents to shoot 33.6% from three-bar range at home, or like 39% in a roadside shoot court environment. And they go up against a Purdue team that has been a top-10 team in all of college basketball with regards to their three-point shooting percentage. How uh, Braden Smith was not on the Kusi Award watch list, I have no idea, but I mean, this guy has been tremendous. He's giving you a double-figure amount of points, five boards, five assists. He's shooting well north of 40% from three-point range. Really, for Purdue... Among your top seven scores, the only one that has made at least one three that is shooting outside of 41% from three-point range is Lance Jones, and he's shooting 36% from three-point range. So you've got threats all across the boulevard for the team. Fletcher Lawyer's now giving you 11 points. He's shooting 43% from three-point range. But John Blackwell shooting north of 40% from three for Wisconsin. And with Wisconsin, I think that they should be able to get a little bit more out of A.J. Storr moving forward. Someone who last season at St. John's shot 40.5% from three-point range. He's been able to supply 16.5 points per contest this season, but is shooting only about 33% from three overall. At home, that dips to about 28%. I think that they should be able to see a little bit of a rise there. This is a Purdue team that has been letting up a little bit more defensively in the name of offense. Purdue is not a top-five team in the country with regards points scored on a per-possession basis. Meanwhile, they're about 56th with regards points allowed on a per-possession basis, giving up 9.7 points more per 100 possessions when they do leave home. And this is a Wisconsin team that they could be a little bit leaky with regards to their defense as well. 138th in the country with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis, only giving up about 4.6 points fewer per one-hour possessions at home. But as we know with Wisconsin, they're a bottom 50 team with regards to total possessions per game. They're going to be looking to slow you down. I do think that this is a spot where we are going to be seeing this game be a little bit more slowed down. I do think that both teams hit enough shots to be able to get right around about 70, but I do think that this total is just a scotch shoe. I said my total 145, so laying at the under and at north of two, taking the points with home underdog Badgers. 831 32 on the betting board. Iona is going to be playing as a rider, and riders find themselves as an underdog of six half points. So on this game is 144. Made my total 143 and a half. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under with this rider team there. Coming off a stellar defensive performance against Sienna. Now now is against Sienna. This Sienna team is absolutely terrible. But I mean that said, they have now given up 62 points or fewer rider has in each other last three games, and I do think the rider going to be able to remain relatively snug in this game. Though this was an opener of seven. Now that it's come down a little bit, I'm going to be willing to lay it with Iona, with Ryder. What I do like about this team is Mervyn James and their overall rebounding. Mervyn James, 
He's going to be the top scorer in this game. 19.5 points, 6.5 boards, seal per contest while shooting 40% from three. And this is a Ryder team that throughout much of the year, they have been at the bottom 25 with regards to three-point shooting percentage. And they're still a bottom half of the team in the country with regards to their three-point shooting percentage. But they're now up to about 32.2%, which is still bad, but it's respectable, but still bad. And rather than just an absolute abstract disaster. So that is a little bit helpful for a Ryder team that is about 97th at off college basketball. With regards to the rebound rate, they do go up against an Iona team that is going to be outgunned on the glass. This Iona team, they're about 271st in the country with regards to their rebound rate. And then on top of Mervyn James, when it comes to the Ryder side, Tariq Ingram, TJ Weeks, they've both been able to supply a combined about 12.5 rebounds per game. But on the flip side, you do have an Iona team that has won the best in all of college basketball generating turnovers. They're in the top 20 with regards to turnovers force on a per possession basis with your main headliner being Joel Brown. Joel Brown has been able to do a tremendous job of being able to induce about two steals per contest. Doesn't score a lot with only about six and a half points per contest, but three and a half assists. Shoots 37.5% from three par range. And now you've got those ancillary pieces really being able to pick it up from three par range. Gene, I'm going to say this last name incorrectly, and Arguren, along with Jeremiah Quigley, have been combined for about 45% three-point shooting. These two guys are combining for about 18 points per contest. You've been able to Quigley give out three assists per contest. With Iona, they only turn the ball for about 10 and a half times per contest. Now, with Iona, if you do have trepidation with laying this number, they do shoot about 66% of the free fly and that does need to be noted, but they do go up against a Ryder team that they're okay with regards to their three-point shooting defense. They're about 151st in all of college basketball both that regard. This has been an Iona team that from beyond the arc, it has been a little bit intermiss because this is a team that they gamble for turnovers. They're about 169, so both of these teams relatively even up with this regard. It is a Ryder team that is going to be able to win the battle down low, but I do think that Iona is going to do a nice job of being able to force some turnovers on a Ryder team that while they do get about three and a half assists, about four boards, eight and a half points out of Corey McKeithen, they are a little bit thin out there in the backcourt. They have been turning the ball over about 12 and a half times for contests, and them having to go on the road. I do think that we see regression with this Ryder defense has been so good recently, though. I don't think that the regression is enough for an over, and you do have an Iona team that, in their own right, has now given up 70 points or fewer in three of their last five games. So, this is a spot where I did set my total at a 143.5, diving under, and with Iona, I'm going to be willing to lay up to seven points with them. 833, 834 on the betting board. Right seat, it's a road face-off against Northern Kentucky. Northern Kentucky is in a pick'em game. Your total on this game is 158.5. I made right seat the three-point favorite. I'm going to be looking at them outright on the money line slash if you can get them as a pick um, wherever you go with it. Heck, even if they become a one to two point favorite, I'd be willing to lay up to two and a half with them as for right state, this team is not playing any defense whatsoever. They are well outside the top 310 with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis, but this team will light you up on offense. You've got Tanner Olden, Trey Calvin combining for 36 and a half points per contest. They combine for three seals. Calvin is shooting 45% from three point range. Meanwhile, Holden, he gives you more like 38% three-point shooting, and this is a right state team that should be able to win the battle down low as well. They're in the top 175 with regards to rebound rate, and they've actually got a better rebound rate when they leave home rather than when they are at home, and they go up against an Northern Kentucky team that they really just don't have anything down low. Last year, it was Chris Brandon who was able to give the team nine-plus rebounds per contest. They just weren't able to replace them with anybody, and as a result, Northern Kentucky is clocking in about 250th with regards to rebound rate, and they were hit with a very unfortunate injury with the fact that they're still dealing with Sam Vincent being out of the full. Vincent, 13 points, five boards, three assists, do-it-all player that was able to generate two and a half seals per contest for a Northern Kentucky team as legitimately a top 30 team in all of college basketball with regards to turnovers force on a per possession basis. 
Now without him, this team still does have Marquise Warwick, who's able to give you 19 points per contest from three-point range last year. He's a high 33-point shooter, down to about 31% this season. And it is a Northern Kentucky team that they're only shooting about 30.7% from three-point range. So while this Wright State team is very leaky with regards to their perimeter defense, lying opponents to shoot about 37.3% from three. They might not be able to take full advantage. On top of that, Wright State has actually been better defensively when they've been on the road rather than at home. They're allowing opponents to shoot 41% from three bar range at home. It's not like it's amazing, but it's down to about 35.3% in a roadside shoot to court environment. Meanwhile, for Northern Kentucky, they do a nice job of being able to guard the arc there. Allowing opponents to shoot only about 32% from three bar range. That is a top 95 mark in all of college basketball, but you can tell that this Northern Kentucky team has been feeling the loss of Sam Vincent a little bit. This team has failed to get past 60 points in each of their last two games. Defense has still been relatively stuck. They have given up 72 points or fewer in three of their last four games. Northern Kentucky while outside the top 250 with regards to total possessions per game. Meanwhile you've got a Wright State team that they're just running it and gunning it for mankind. For Wright State this team has been able to get to at least 77 points in every one of their games since the turn of the calendar and they themselves have given up at least 70 points and I believe every one of those games. I think that they might have had one triumph in like late December when they went up against a non-D1 school, but I mean, this team has been playing very explosive games. I do think that Wright State is going to be able to get this thing cranked up tempo. I do think that for Northern Kentucky with having some of their ancillary scores being able to step up as well, even though they don't have Sam Vincent in the fold, may have been able to get a little bit more out of someone like a Trey Robinson, chipping in their 9.5 points, 6 boards, not shooting it well from 3 point range, but stable able to knife the ball inside that. This is going to be a game that's going to be sort of out of control and airbrained, especially with this Northern Kentucky team. Now having given up at least 72 points in three of their last five games. Wright State just has the uncanny ability of being able to get games to explode. So I did sub my 12-159 and because I do think that this game is going to be played at Wright State's tempo and terms that they are going to be able to pull it out. I like Wright State on this pick and line. Made them the three-point favorite and looking at the over. 835-836 on the betting board. It is Manhattan on the road facing off against Fairfield. Fairfield is a 10.5 point favorite, and your total on this game going to be finding it between 150 and 150 and a half. I did sell my total at 148. I'm going to be taking a look at the under. Manan was able to get a cover a few days ago against Quinnipiac, but there's not been a lot of good things to say about this Manhattan bunch. They're outside the top 280 with regards to points scored on a per possession basis. They're well outside the top 250 with regards to their rebound rate. They have been able to get a bit more recently out of Sidu Traore, who's been able to give you about 2.5 assists, 12 points, 9 boards, relatively well-rounded player for a team that only shoots about 31.5% from three-point range, and they're outside the top 250 with regards to turnovers on a per-possession basis with about 14.3 turnovers per game. Meanwhile, you've got a Fairfield team that, after they were one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball last season, they're now in the top 150 with regards to total possessions per game, and they've got Jasper Floyd, who might be one of the most versatile players in this conference. Not an amazing score with about 9.5 points per contest, but 5 assists, 6 boards, 2.2 steals per game for a Fairfield team that they're shooting overall about 35.8% from three-point range, and for Fairfield, even though they have really cranked up their tempo, they're actually all the more efficient on offense this year than they were a season ago. This Fairfield team is 137th overall with regards to points scored on a per possession basis, averaging 9.2 points more per 100 possessions than a season ago. And on top of that, this team is actually averaging about 2.5 points more per 100 possessions in a roadside shoot court environment rather than at home. And if you just take a look at road and neutral court scoring, this is a top 85 team with regards to their offense. So they've really been able to 
a nice job there. A big reason why is that you've been able to get Bryson Goodine to be able to really shoot it well from three-point range. About 13.5 points on 45.5% three-point shooting. Caleb Fields gives you about two and a half assists, one and a half seals, 15 points per contest. And then on the flip side, you've got a Manhattan team that has been getting a little bit more out of Jaden Winston, who's been able to give you four and a half assists per contest. Turns ball over a little bit, but he's been able to produce a little bit in the backcourt. And then Shaquille Bender, he's been able to chip in there about 13 and a half points per contest. But the way that you want to attack this Fairfield team is by being able to go low and being able to win the battle on the glass. Manhattan just completely incapable of doing that. And this is a Manhattan team that has been getting absolutely cooked with regards to their defense. They have given up at least 77 points in each of their last five games. But this is also a Fairfield team that is doing quite a bit of a better job with regards to their defense. They have given up 67 points of fear in three of their last five games. Now, the last time these two teams played, Manhattan was able to get to 75 points. Manhattan, though, they went 12 of 34 from three. Fairfield went 15 of 27 from distance. I do think that both of these teams cool down this time around. So I did sell my total at 148. I think that you get more of an average shooting performance after last time around, even though Fairfield has been good with their offense. That was just unsightly good. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under. And when it comes to this Fairfield bunch, I did set them as a favorite of 14 points. I think that Manhattan is outgunned once again. So going to be willing to lay the number with Fairfield and looking at the under. 837, 838 on the bang board. Sienna plays those Mount St. Mary's. And the Mount is a favorite of seven points on the road. Total on game. 135 and a half. I said Mount St. Mary's is a 10-point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay the number. This is a Siena team that without Sean Dewar, Gordon, and Michael Ely, they are legitimately a bottom 10 team in all of college basketball. I mean, they went out there against Ryder on Friday and they scored 50 points. They got completely blown out. This team does have a little bit of rebounding as you've been able to get a combined... 12 rebounds per game out of Giovanni Amaruju, and I'm sure that I'm going to say this one incorrectly, Michael Ivabaru. Hopefully I said that correctly, but I know those two guys have been able to give you a little bit of something down low, but Duro Gordon and Michael Ely combined for about 37 points per contest. There's a possibility that you might get one of these guys back in the fold in this one as you were able to get Sean Duro Gordon in for that Ryder game, but it made no stinking difference. He had 25 of the team's 50 points. You still have Michael Ely out of the fold, and without Michael Ely, he had really nobody to really be be able to vibe off of. And for Sean Drew Gordon, he's been playing through injury all season long when he has been out there as he's a two-time transfer as well. It's a Siena team that is currently in the bottom five nationally with regards to turnovers on a per-possession basis. This team is shooting 26% from three, 63.5% at the free throw line, and they go up against a Mount St. Mary's team that has been cranking up their tempo, and this is a Mount St. Mary's team that they're relatively okay being able to guard the arc. 154th in the country with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage. It does go to 36.5% in a roadside short court environment, but Mount St. Mary's is a top 55 team in the country with regards to turnovers for its on a per possession basis. They themselves do turn the ball over north of 14 times for contest as well, but they've been able to get quite a bit more out of the backcourt. Dakota LaFue has taken over the point guard duties, and he's been able to do a nice job giving you 18 points, 4 assists, back to shooting in the mid-30s from 3-point range. You've also been able to get some good production out of someone like a DeAnthony Montgomery, who's been able to give you about 11 points per game, and then Josh Reeves shoots in the mid-30s from 3-point range with 7 points per contest. And despite the fact that Mount St. Mary's has not have a single guy that gives you north of five rebounds per game. They're a top 100 team with regards to the rebound rate. It's a Sienna team that may pretty much match up with that, but the Sienna team, they're allowing opponents to shoot about 36% from three, 300th in all of college basketball. The Sienna team, even with Sean Dewar Gordon most likely being in the fold and Michael Ely being out of the fold, they're just completely outgunned in this spot. It's been really sad to watch. I set my line at 10. I'm going to be willing to lay with Mount St. Mary's, and I simply don't think Sienna does their part with this total. Even though Mount St. Mary's has been cranking up the tempo, they've been less efficient on defense. I just 
have no confidence at all in Siena being able to get to 70 points after they scored 50 on Friday. So it's a spot where I'm going to be taking a look at the under semi-total 133. Want to lay up to 9.5 as well with Mount St. Mary's. Now you might DK Network right to pick 839, 840 on the betting board. It is IPFW, AK Fort Wayne, playing us the Young Suns 8. Young Suns 8, a road favorite of 4 points. So on this game is 154.5. My write-up is on Fort Wayne. Personally, I'm going to be looking at them outright on the money line when this comes out. Typically, money lines are not going to be available, so it'll probably just be IPFW plus four, but that said, with this IPFW team, aka Fort Wayne, I do think that they're going to be able to do a solid job in this ordeal of really just being able to guard the arc. This is a Fort Wayne team that has done a really good job of being able to D up. They're a top 75 team with regards to points a lot on a per-possession basis. Now, they do go up against a team in Youngstown State that has some very similar metrics. Youngstown State 76th with regards to points a lot on a per-possession basis, while Fort Wayne is 70th. Both of these teams do a relatively solid job of being able to uh, take care of the ball as well. Fort Wayne 58th in the country in terms of turnovers on a per-possession basis on offense. Youngstown State 72nd, but the home and road splits are big. Macedons of Fort Wayne, they're turning the ball over on 11.2% of possessions at home compared to about 15% on their other 22nd with regards to fewest turnovers on a per-possession basis at home. Meanwhile, the Penguins, they're actually 7th in the country in terms of fewest turnovers on a per-possession basis at home. 189th when they leave home, and that's an issue going up against a Fort Wayne team that is 5th in the country in terms of turnovers force on a per-possession basis. This is a Fort Wayne team that they've got guys that just really know their role as well as you've got a few guys that are just able to go out there and they're able to completely bomb it from three-point range. And I recognize that some of these guys have been a bit cold recently, but I do think that they're going to be able to pick it up in Jalen Jackson along Quentin Morton-Robinson. They've been able to combine for 29 points, shooting combined about 42.5% from three-point range. And then Rashid Bellow is Mr. Doodle, comes in from D2 UW Parkside, two steals, four assists, three boards, 15 and a half points per game. Going up against a Youngstown State team that is going to be able to win the battle down though. Youngstown State, a top 125 team with regards to rebound rate. This is a Fort Wayne team that's outside the top 250 and Ziggy Reed is a big reason why he has been able to give the team 14 points, four and a half boards, shoots 44% from three, but last season this Youngstown State team was quite good from three and I will say this about Youngstown State in a nip and tuck game out of your top five scores every one of them does shoot at least 76.8% the free line as a whole they shoot about 76.9% the charity stripe one of the better marks that you're going to find in mid-major basketball that said this is a team that they get a little bit loose with it on the road you do have Brett Thompson who's been able to shoot about 35% from three gives you 12 points four assists per contest and you legitimately have four of your top five scores for Youngstown State who have been able to supply at least two assists per contest, but this is a Fort Wayne team doing a really good job of being able to guard the arc when they're at home. It's a Fort Wayne team that has fallen on some tough times with their offense, but the defense has come back to them. They have given up fewer than 70 points in each other the last two games. You've got a Youngstown State team that comes in having won four straight games. They have been a relative microwave with regards to their offense, 78 plus points in each other the last four games, but this is a Youngstown State team that honestly has been built a little bit more towards the defensive side of things. I do think that with the way that Fort Wayne really locks it down from the three-point arc at home and the way that they generate Turnovers against a Young Suns 18 that just doesn't take care of the ball when they're away from home, that it'll allow Fort Wayne to be able to bust up that win streak and be able to get the job done. My DK Network right up pick is going to be on Fort Wayne. I set them as one half point favorite. I'll personally be taking them on the money line. Like I said, when the article comes out, you'll probably just be seeing Fort Wayne plus four, but that said, I do like Fort Wayne in this spot and did some my total 153 and a half. Despite the fact that Fort Wayne is a top 40 team with regards to total possessions per game, I do think that the turnovers cause things to be a little bit sloppier in this game. So, looking at the under and my right up. That is on Old Fort Wayne, 841-842 on the betting board. Maris plays us to St. Peter's. St. Peter's is an underdog of three points. Your total on this game, 118.5 to 119.5. 
I think this total should be low, but I think we went a little bit too low. I set my line at a 122, so I'm going to be taking a look at the over. It's a St. Peter's team that is in the bottom 75 with regards to total possessions per aim, and this is a St. Peter's team that is not shooting it well, to say the least. As for St. Peter's from beyond the arc, they're only making about 31 or so percent of their threes, actually down to about 30 percent of their threes, but your top two guys in Latrell Reed, Corey Washington, they're shooting more than Abra, about 34 percent from three-par inch. Washington, 14 and a half points, six boards contest while Reed, he does a little bit of everything. A steal, four plus boards, four plus assists, 12 and a half points per game. So these guys have been able to do a relatively rock solid job for Corey Washington. He has been a little bit in and out of the fold. He's missed the last few games for this team. Would not be surprised if he's missing in this game, but you've also been dealing with an injury to Michael Hoagie and now he's back in the fold. He played a limited 14 minute allotment in that game against Niagara. That was more or less because he got into foul trouble though. He should be a full go in this one. So while you lose Washington, you pick up your top rebounder and this is a St. Peter's team that they do rely upon the glass to be able to score as they're a top 40 team with regards to percentage of missed shots that do result in an offensive rebound going up against a Maris team that well they have been just absolutely terrible with their offense. They're outside the top 300 with regards to points scored on a per possession basis and this bunch is in the top 30 nationally with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. So I will say this for Maris. All of a sudden they have now given up at least 67 points in each other last three games which for them and their low tempo that's actually not too terrific. You've got a Maris team that has just not not been able to get a lot in the interior with regards to their offense, and they are a team that's only about 200th in the country with regards to rebound rate. Max Allen is able to give you 12 points, 4 boards. It's a team as a whole for Maris is shooting about 33.9% from 3 points. You're getting a little bit more out of Cam Ferris, who was a 40% 3-point shooter while he was over at Robert Morris. Now he's been able to shoot about 45.5% from distance and has exploded the last two games as he's been able to combine for 26 points in these contests, so perhaps that could be a little bit more of a spark plug moving forward for this Maris team. Meanwhile, you've got a St. Peter's Peacocks team that certainly they've been able to do a tremendous job on defense in regulation and regulation only. They have given up 62 points or fewer in each other last four games, but I do think that this is going to be a game that's going to be snug enough for some late game fouling. I do think that St. Peter's is going to give up a little bit on the interior as well as both of these teams have been able to do a nice job of being able to guard from beyond the arc. This is a St. Peter's team that's 30th in the country with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage. Meanwhile, this is a Maris team that they do a nice job of being able to lock it down from the arc as well with Maris. You're only able to shoot in the neighborhood about 32% from three-point range against them as well, but I do think that with St. Peter's being able to get some second and third chances, they are going to be able to remain snug in this game. In the end, I do think that Maris pulls it out, but Maris does shoot less than 70% at the free throw line. Meanwhile, St. Peter's actually does shoot more in the neighborhood about 74-75% at the charity stripe. So, I did set my line at two being able to get the three that I'm seeing with St. Peter's. I'm going to be looking at those points, so I don't want the money line. And with regards to this total, set mine at a 122, so also looking over. 843-844 on the betting board. Quinnipiac plays those Canisius. And Canisius is a underdog of six points. So on scheme, 149.5. Set Quinnipiac is a 7.5 point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay the number. This Quinnipiac team has been quite interesting to say the least. As currently they are 17-4 and four straight up. Do they have the feel of a 17-4 and four team? No, but they do everything relatively solid. This is a team that has been clocking in in the top 80 nationally with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. This is a squad that, while they're not amazing from three par range, they do have a guy, Matt Blonich, that's really able to heat it up. He's been able to shoot about 35% from distance, 18.5 points per contest. And then when it comes to this Quinnipiac team, they're a top 125 team with regards to rebound rate. Amari Tyrese, along with Paul Otinho, have been able to combine for 23.5 points, 14 boards, and 3.5 steals per contest between the two of them as well. This is a Quinnipiac team that is above average with regards to the way that they generate turnovers. And this is a Canisius bunch that, with regards to their defense, are about 206th in the country with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. And this is despite 
despite the fact that they've actually been really good at being able to guard the three-point arc about 122nd in the country, but big-time home and road split with this regard. They allow opponents to shoot only 27.9% for three-point range at home, more like 35.2% in a roadside shoot record environment. It is a Canisius team that they themselves are going to be able to have Frank Mitchell do a sell job down low. He's been able to average a double-double, giving you about 12 points, 10 rebounds per contest, and when it comes to Canisius, they have been dealing with quite a few guys being in and out of the fold, as you've had CM Etan Jal dealing with recent injuries. I think he should be good to go in this one. He's been playing limited minutes, and he hasn't necessarily been himself the last few games, but overall, giving you 13.5 points, 2.5 assists per contest for Canisius team that they're shooting 35.5% from three, but there's a big reason why I can't take Canisius with the points. They shoot 64.5% the free throw line while turning the ball over 14 times per contest against the Quinnipiac team that, again, they're not like a top 10 or a top 15 team with regards to being able to generate turnovers, but this is one of your better teams at being able to generate live turnovers, and this is a bunch that they have been able to crank up their tempo quite a bit as well. This is a Quinnipiac team that they are clocking in within the top of 125 with regards to total possessions per game, and this is a Quinnipiac team that when they are at home, they do a little bit of a better job of being able to generate turnovers. They're about 145th in all of college basketball with regards to turnovers force on a per-possession basis with this Canisius team still having to rely upon Trey Dinkins for a little bit of everything in the backcourt. Four assists, 59 points per contest as Todd Shavosky has been out pretty much all season long. I do think that it puts Canisius in a little bit of a bind. And you've got a Quinnipiac team that, while they did not cover against Manhattan, this team has been very solid with their defense. 71 points are fierce runner in four out of their last five games. Meanwhile, for Canisius, this team has given up at least 70 in their last five games. And this team as well, 71 points are fewer in four out of the last five games. So, I'm going to be one lay with Quinnipiac. Did set them as a seven and a half point favorite. And I do think that Quinnipiac going to have a nice little bit of an explosion with their offense with the way the Canisius does not guard the arc on the road. So, my total 153 and a half. Looking over and I'm going to be willing to lay with Quinnipiac. 845-846 on the main board. UNC Greensboro is the road face-off against Furman. Furman is a 3.5 point favorite. Your total is 147 at 147.5. Did set my total at 145.5. I'm going to be taking a look at the under. This is a Furman team that they have been rough with their defense. They are well outside the top 225 with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. But for UNC Greensboro, after they got off to a really ghastly start with their defense to begin the season, this team all of a sudden has been able to find it and they held Furman at 68 points the first time that they played. As a matter of fact, you take a look at UNC Greensboro, and in regulation, because their game against Western Carolina went to overtime, they had allowed 70 points in regulation in that game. They have allowed north of 70 points just once since the beginning of the month of January in regulation, and that was against a VMI team that is just playing a absolutely harebrained style. As a matter of fact, if you want to go back a little bit further, the last time they've given up more than 74 points in regulation, once again, their game against Eastern Kentucky, that went to overtime as well. You have to go all the way back to Thanksgiving when they were playing against Delaware. So this Greensboro team has been able to buckle down quite a bit, and you've got Mikhail Brown-Jones, who's able to do amazing work, giving you 21 points, 8 boards. He's still shooting 50% from 3. For UNC Greensboro team that typically with regards to their offense, it's a little bit more dormant, but this season, they've really been able to get it going from 3 points. The Langley brothers have been a lot to thank for this. Keyshawn and Kobe Langley are both shooting between 37 and 38% from 3 points. UNC Greensboro as a whole, they're shooting 38.9% from 3 points range against just D1 competition. The slower so about 37.7%, but still, this is a Greensboro team that may be able to do a nice job lighting it up from the outside. Now, this does fall to about 35.5% in a roadside shirt record environment, but they do get to go up against a Furman team that the first time around did allow them to be able to score 78 points, and this Furman team, they are very good with their three-point shooting defense at home. They allow opponents to shoot just 26.8% from three, more like 35.5% away from home, so I do think that the change in venue is going to be able to help them out quite a bit, but 
This is still a Furman team that I fear they're not just going to be able to exploit North Carolina Greensboro down low. As UNC Greensboro, they're only about 209th in the country with regards to rebound rate. Outside of Brown Jones, you really don't have a ton down low. But for this Furman team, they're clocking in about 124th with regards to rebound rate. But you just look at this roster and you wonder, who's really that guy that's going to give you a ton down low? Alex Williams is right now leading the way with about five boards per contest. Now, they do have back Marcus Foster. Marcus Foster was out for darn near half the season. He has now given the team nine plus boards in each of the last five games. He should be able to do a nice job of dominating. He's able to give the team 19.5 points per contest. And the first time these two teams hooked up, he was not in the fold in that game. So I do think that that is very big. But this is still a Furman team that is only shooting about 32.5% from three. They play up-tempo, but they do turn the ball over about 13 times for contests as well. And this is a UNC Greensboro team that they are a top 80 team in all of college basketball with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage as well. Well, I do think that Furman is going to be able to get the job done. And I do think that they get it the win. Them being a 3.5 point favorite I think is a little bit too lofty. I think that UNC Greensboro holds in there. I think that this is going to be very nip and tuck in. I do think that this is going to be a game that gets a little bit slowed down with Furman playing all of a sudden a whole lot better with regards to their defense ever since they have gotten their top score in Foster back the full does for this Furman team. If you look at regulation and regulation only because their game against the Citadel that went to overtime and they'd given up in regulation 72 points. They've given up 72 or less in four of their last five games. Meanwhile laid out the numbers with the UNC Greensboro so it is a circumstance where I saw my 145 and a half looking under and with Greensboro they're currently a three and a half point underdog won't take those points set them as more of a one and a half point underdog 847 848 on the bang board IUPUI it's road face off against UW Milwaukee Milwaukee a 15 and a half to a 16 point favorite total loss game 150 and a half to 151 made Milwaukee a 15 and a half point favorite at 16 I'm going to be willing to take the points with IUPUI Old UEP, we should be able to take advantage of a UW-Milwaukee team that is outside the top 325 with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis and outside the top 330 with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage. Now, this is an IUPUI team that's rough. They are outside the top 275 in terms of both points scored and points allowed on a per-possession basis. They're a bottom 10 team in the country with regards to three-point shooting percentage. They're a bottom 75 team with regards to holding on to the ball as well, but you do have Jalen Counter. He's able to counter with a little bit over his steal, two and a half assists, 15 points per contest, while shooting 35% from three-point inch in. Now you're getting Quincy Samuels to be able to give you a little bit more down low. He's been able to supply the team with about five points, five and a half rebounds per game. They are getting a little bit more as well out of Bryce Monroe as a nice ancillary guard who's able to give you about two and a half assists per contest. And for UW-Milwaukee, it's pretty much been the B.J. Freeman show all season long when he's been out there because he missed like seven games towards the beginning of part of the season. He's been able to dominate games of four assists, six boards, 18 points per contest, shooting 38.5% from three-point. For a UW-Milwaukee team that, to their credit, they're actually not too bad on the glass, about 134th in the country with regards to rebound rate. You got guys like Kentrell Pullian, Faison Fields, who have been able to give you about five rebounds per contest. Langston Wilson has come in and has been able to give you about four and a half boards a block. He's a little bit of a rim protector, but hasn't done a lot of good with regards to this UW Milwaukee defense. With UW Milwaukee, points a lot on a per possession basis. They are 331st, and they're only giving up about 1.5 points fewer per 100 possessions when they leave home rather than at home. And if you're just looking at the amount of points that you give up per possession at home, UW-Milwaukee is a bottom 25 team in all of college basketball, so that's not terrific. You've got a IUPUI team that has been just stuck in the mud with regards to their offense, but 63 points or fewer scored in three of their last four games, and they certainly have been giving it up. They've given up at least 78 points each of their last five games, and for UW-Milwaukee, they've had a few triumphs recently on defense. They have given up 71 points or fewer in two of their last three games,
games. But keep in mind, one of those games came against Detroit and in games that have not been played against Detroit because they are a big, giant outlier. This team has now given up at least 78 points in all but one out of their last eight games. So I do think that you're going to see a big, fat number put up in this game, UW-Milwaukee. They started out as a relatively mid-tempo team to begin the season. They have really been cranking it up here in conference play, and I do think that you're going to get a very much up-and-down game involving an IEPUI team that has been just PU with regards to their defense. I set my line at 15 and a half at 16. I just don't think that UW-Milwaukee comes up with enough stops to be able to cover this number, so going to be taking a look at the over. As I set my total, 157 and a half and 16 plus here with IEPUI. 849, 50 on the bank board. Tulane plays us at Temple. We give our own to Lane Kiffin. Go Owls says Temple is an underdog of 9.5 to 10 points. So the game is 153. I said Temple is an 8.5 point underdog. Going to be taking a look at the points. It is a Temple team that has been rough in terms of their offense. They're well outside the top 235 with regards to points scored on a per possession basis. This team as a whole, they are only shooting about 30% from three points. And more ghastly is the fact that they shoot 37.9% from the floor. They take a lot of threes. They don't hit a lot of threes. The good news is they're going up against a Tulane team that is not necessarily stopped down low. Now, when it comes to Tulane, they're not bad with regards to their three-point shooting defense. They're not great at about 100. 76, but they're not awful. Temple, they're relatively the same. Temple, 180th in the country with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage, and in a roadside shooter card environment, that actually dives down to about 31.5%. They're actually a top 75 team with regards to guarding the three-point arc when they are away from home, but both of these teams, they certainly do have their warts on the inside. You've got a Temple team as well outside the top 175 with regards to their rebound rate. Tulane is very nearly 300th in the country with this regard. Tulane about 188th with regards to opponent's two-point shooting percentage. More around 172nd, so I do think that there's going to be plenty of buckets to be had. Now, the one thing that Temple does is they protect the ball 10.7 turnovers per contest. They're going against a Tulane team in which they are a team that very much gambles for turnovers. With Tulane, they have each other top four scores being able to supply at least 1.5 steals per contest. I believe that they're the only team in all of college basketball that's able to say that. You've got Zion James along Kobe King who have been your main three-point shooters. Combined shoot north of 40% from distance. Combined between the two of them, three and a half steals about 26 half points per contest. And then you've got Kevin Cross give you a little bit of everything. Four and a half assists, 18 points, 7.7 boards. Shoots 34% from three, and Jalen Forbes, after a rough start to the season, he's back to up above 14 and a half points per contest, but this is a team in Tulane that does not have a lot of depth. They've gotten Trey Williams back in the fold. That's been big, as he was missing, and he's more of your sixth man for the team, being able to supply about 10 points per contest, but I do think that Temple's going to be able to hold in there. You've got someone in Micah Piccarelli, who's been able to shoot about 37.5% from three, giving you about 8.5 points per contest, and Isaiah Miller, while he has not been great from three-point, he has given you 16 points, 4.5 assists, 1.6 steals per contest, going up against a Tulane team that's going to be completely outgunned on the glass. It has been a rough year for the Temple offense, but it's been a rough year for Tulane trying to just hold down opponents in general with the way that they play at warp speed. They're a top 20 team in all of college basketball with regards to total possessions per game. It is a Tulane team that has given up at least 75 points each other the last five games. And for this Temple, I will see them. They have been down below 70 points in each other the last five games. A situation of something's got to give, and I think what gives is the fact that you get a lot of points in this game. Semi-12, 156 half. I'm looking at the over and at 9 plus, I'm going to be taking the points with Temple. 851-852 on the betting board. South Dakota State plays us to South Dakota. And South Dakota does find themselves as an underdog of 15 points. Their total on this game is 152. I said South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, as a 14-point favorite. Here at 15, I'm going to be willing to take those points. It is a South Dakota State team that is still well outside the top 275 with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. And this is a South Dakota team that is able to stroke it from three-point range. I'm not saying that this South Dakota team is going to be going into, like, in first 
Inferno Motor or anything like that. But when you've got Layat Thione, who's able to give you about 10 boards per contest for a South Dakota team that is actually a relatively respectable rebounding team. While South Dakota State, they've had their issues on the glass. That is a little bit of an issue. And for South Dakota, they're actually averaging about 2.3 points more per runner in possessions away from them rather than at home. For South Dakota, overall, they're about 231st in all of college basketball. The guards points scored on a per possession basis. The 13 turnovers per game have been a little bit costly. And this is a South Dakota State team that is actually 39th in the country with regards to points scored on a per possession basis. Interestingly for South Dakota State, though, that they themselves are averaging about 3.3 points more per one possessions away from home rather than at home. Now, for South Dakota State, they are going to have the most versatile player out there on the floor. That would be Zeke Mayo. He's able to give you 19 points, 6 boards, 3.5 assists for a South Dakota State team that overall they're shooting about 35.5% from 3 point range among players that have made at least 1-3. Their top 5 scores that have made at least 1-3. They're all shooting at least 36.5% from 3. Lone outlier there is William Kyle who's been able to give you about 13 points, 6 boards per contest, but with South Dakota, they are going to be able to hold in there in my opinion because they've got a nice 40% 3-point shooter and Caleb Stewart who's been able to give you 15.5 points per contest. A lot of their metrics have been a little bit warped because he missed a few games in Summit League play. That was a little bit costly for the team. And this is a South Dakota team that is shooting about 36.5% from 3 point range. And they get to go up against a South Dakota State team that, I mean, they've been all sorts of ghastly with regards to their defense and they are certainly giving up the arc. 315th at all of college basketball with regards to opponents 3-point shooting percentage. This is a South Dakota team that certainly is going to be allowing a lot of open looks as well as South Dakota. 327th in the country with regards to opponents 3-point shooting percentage in a roadside shooter corner environment. They do allow opponents to shoot about 39% from three, but also with this South Dakota State team. They're outside the top 250 with regards to their total possessions per game. This is not a team that by any stretch of the imagination is just absolutely pushing tempo or anything like that. And with South Dakota, in my opinion, most likely being able to play even up on the glass. South Dakota, 144th with regards to their reboundary. South Dakota State, more on 165th. I do think that this number is throwing a little bit out of sorts. On top of that, you've got Boston Holt. Now for the South Dakota team, giving you a little bit more facilitation with about 11 points, 5 boards, 3 assists to be a stabilizer. So, did something on my line at 14. I'm going to be one I think the 15 with South Dakota. Both of these teams have been rough with regards to their defense, even though I do think that this is going to be a low possession game. I think that there's going to be a lot of shot making. Going to be taking a look at the over and the points with the Coyotes of South Dakota. 853-854 on the betting board. SMU plays us to UAB. UAB is a underdog of 8 to 8.5 points. Toronto's game is 151.5, and with UAB, I did set them as an underdog of 9 points. So I'm going to be one to lay the number with SMU. SMU has been acting up a little bit on defense. This has been a squad that has been giving up quite a bit more recently in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis SMU still a top 35 team in all of college basketball but they have now given up at least 70 points in three of their last four games now to the credit of SMU the offense is starting to emerge a little bit more with Chuck Harris shooting 42.5% from three point range he's the only of their top five scorers that shoots above 24% from three point range but the ancillary guys have done a nice job knocking down some threes BJ Edwards Ricardo Wright both of these guys shoot in the high 30s slash low 40s from three point range combining for about 10 points per contest and Edwards is your main facilitator three and a half assists 1.1 steals per contest. And for the SMU team, in terms of turnovers forced on a per-possession basis, they've been a rock-solid team, though it's not as rock-solid as their three-point shooting defense. They are number three in all of college basketball with regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage. Now, for UAB, that's not going to bother them as much as many teams because they have just been as cold as an igloo from three-point range all season long. Aaron Gaines has been your top scorer with about 13 to 14 points per contest. He's able to throw in their four assists. He does quite a bit to be able to help out the team, but he's shooting less than 28% from three-point range. This is a UAB team that very much is going to gamble for turnovers and it has allowed for teams to be able to knock down a lot of open shots. They are outside the top 250 with regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage. Meanwhile, for UAB, they're just not generating the turnovers that they have in past years. This team is about 246th in all of college basketball with regards to turnovers forced on a per-possession basis, so that's quite a bit of an issue for the 
this team. Interestingly, UAB has actually been better with their three-point shooting defense away from home, but big key for SMU is being able to win the rebound battle because UAB is a top 40 team with regards to percentage of missed shots that do result in an offensive rebound with Yaxel Lenborg being a main guy with this regard. He has been able to give the team nine and a half rebounds per game, one of the better offensive rebounders in all of college basketball to be able to spearhead a UAB team that they don't turn the ball over a lot. They turn the ball over about 11.8 times for contest. This is a UAB team that they also hit their free throws at about 74.7%. They just don't have a lot of guys. They're able to bomb it from three-point range. Show. They're getting a little bit more with Ephraim Johnson now shooting 38.5% from three-point range, but this is an SMU team that has Samuel Williamson, who's been in college basketball for seemingly 500 years, doing a nice job headlining things down low. It's an SMU team that's in the top 40 nationally with regards to their rebound rate. UAB, they're clocking in more around 68, so I do think that SMU going to do a nice job and be able to clean up the glass. This is a UAB team, by the way, that is getting very, very hot. Their defense and has certainly been leaving a lot to be desired as they have now given up at least 76 points in each other last three games, including giving up 76 at Charlotte, which that's really hard to do, but that said, this has been a UAB team that has been able to get past the 75-point plateau in pretty much four out of their last six games. I do think that for UAB, they're going to be able to get some points in this one. I do think that SMU is going to have their defensive prowess come back to them just a little bit here, and I do think that SMU gets this game played a bit more on their terms because I do think that they're going to do a solid job on the glass. Semi-line at 9, so you're at the 8.5. I'm going to be willing to lay it with SMU. and did make my total a 151, so at the 151F, looking under, and willing to lay it with SMU. 855-856 on the bank board. Villanova plays us Providence, and Providence is an underdog of 4.5 points. Their last game is 136. I did set Providence as an underdog of 5.5 points. I'm going to be willing to lay it. This is a Providence team that is still dealing with the injury to Bryce Hopkins, and Hopkins has been absolutely supreme for this Providence team throughout the years as he's been able to give the team right in the neighborhood of about 16 to 15 half points per contest, 8 and a half boards. Him being out of the fold has been very costly for this team, but that said, you'd have had Devin Carter be able to step up 18 and a half points, 8 boards, shoot 36% from 3, and even though you've had Hopkins out of the fold, this has still been one of the better defenses in all of college basketball in Providence as they are 15th in the country with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. There's no question that Providence is better when they're at home rather than in a roadside shooter court setting, but that said, even on the road, this is a team that's still a top 20 team that is in the top 20 with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. Problem for Providence is that they're only shooting about 32% from three-point range, and that's been your main Achilles heel with this Villanova team. Villanova oftentimes will leave you open from three-point range. As a matter of fact, at home, Villanova is allowing opponents to shoot 35.7% from three-point range, and for Villanova, this is a team that is a little bit rough with regards to hitting the glass, but now you've got Eric Dixon along Tyler Burton being able to combine for about 14 rebounds per game. Dixon has been able to do a nice job supplying 16 points per contest, and for Villanova, you know that you're going to be able to have this team do the little things. They shoot 82% the free line, top five marking off college basketball. They only turn the ball over 10 times per contest. Question is, are these guys that are ancillary pieces like a TJ Bombo shooting 37% from three with about 10 points per contest? Mark Armstrong, eight points, two assists, shoots in the low 30s from three points. Are they going to be able to come through? Akeem Hart has been a little bit all over the place. I do think that with Villanova and the way that they're able to shoot at the free throw line and the way that Providence has been having their defense sort of nip them in the butt just a little bit. This has been a team that has now given up at least 75 points in four either last six games. It is a Villanova team that's riding a rough five-game losing streak, and they themselves have given up at least 70 points in all but one of these games, but I mean, Villanova has been very close in a lot of these games. Butler, that loss comes in double overtime. They lose by one to UConn. They lose by four, five at home against Marquette, so I do think that this is a Villanova team that's on the cusp. Them being at home, I feel like this is a very good spot for them against a Providence team that is still relatively thin. They don't necessarily shoot it well from three-point range at about 33%, and this is a Villanova 
team that they do a nice job of just making those little plays. I did set Villanova as a five and a half point favorite. I'm going to be one to lay the number. I do think that this is going to be a bit more of a defense oriented game involving two teams at a relatively slow pace, including Villanova still being outside the top 250 with yards possessions per 40 minutes. So looking at the under semi total 135 and a half, and one to lay up to five with Villanova 857, 858 on the betting board. Nebraska is a road face off against Illinois. Fighting line higher, nine to a nine and a half point favorite. Totals between 154 and 154 and a half. Said Illinois as a nine point favorite. Nine and a half is my buy point on Nebraska. This is a Nebraska bunch that is coming off of a massive win against Wisconsin. You do have to fear a little bit of a letdown here, but with Nebraska, this team has done a great job of just being able to get balanced scoring as Casey Shomanaga, Rink Mass, Bryce Williams. They all give you between 13 and 13.6 points per contest with Mass. He's six foot ten, does a little bit of everything, shooting 34% from three, three assists, eight and a half rebounds per game. This is a Nebraska team that is going to lose a battle on the glass, in my opinion, to Illinois. Illinois is eighth in the country with regards to the rebound rate as out of their top six scores, five of them do give you at least 4.1 rebounds per contest. So that is very hard to match up with. Nebraska, they're more round 116th in the country in rebound rate, but for Illinois, you do have to fear that perhaps reintegrating Terrence Shannon is going to cause for a little bit of kerfuffle. They've been able to do a good job thus far being able to get him back in the fold. As for Terrence Shannon, he's still averaging 20 points per contest for the season. He has been back for four games. He has been able to give the team at least 12 points in every one of them. Turnovers have been a little bit costly. He's been averaging about three turnovers per contest in the last three games, but this is an Illinois bunch that still shoots about 34.5% from three-point range. The big key for Nebraska is being able to lock down from three-point range. As this Nebraska team is giving up about 12 points more per one hour possessions when they're away from home rather than when they are at home. And for Nebraska, they're about 140th in all of college basketball with regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage. But we have seen this Illinois team regress a little bit with their defense. They have been much better at home rather than on the road. As a matter of fact, for Illinois, they're giving up about 17 points fewer per one hour possessions at home rather than in a road slash shoot score environment. And they have all opponents to shoot 27.7% from three-point range at home, about 37.8% from three-point range in a road slash shoot score environment. But Illinois has been letting up quite a bit more recently they have given up at least 73 points in three out of their last five games really since Shannon has come back in the fold we have seen a little bit of a dip with that regard I do think that with Nebraska only turned the ball for about 11 half times for contest with Nebraska also shooting north of 36% from three par inch and Nebraska while they're not some sort of an amazing offense they are an offense that they do a relatively solid job of being able to travel they've got a tremendous home court environment in their own right but this is a Nebraska team that's still a top 65 team in all of college basketball the guards point scored on a per possession basis they do just enough to hold in there against an Illinois team that has been a little bit up and down with regards to their defense, but at the same time, I do think that both of these teams are going to do a nice job of holding the other to one-and-done possession, so I did set my total at a 147. I'm looking under, and with Illinois, going to make them a nine-point favorite, so we'll take the nine-and-a-half with Nebraska, and we wrap things up with 859, 860 on the bank board. Arizona plays those to Stanford. Stanford is a underdog of 17.5 points. Draw this game is 161 to 161 half. Did set my total at a 163.5. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. Last time these two teams played. Both teams got north of 80 and Sanford got to 100 as they were shooting darn near 60% from three-point range. We should see some regression there as Arizona has some of the most demonstrative home and road splits that you are going to find in all of college basketball. The guards are defense as for Arizona, they, in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, are 25th in the country, but they allow 23.8 points fewer for runner possessions when they're at home rather than in a roadside short corner environment and for Sanford, they have had their struggles when they've hit the road. They've actually been giving up fewer points per possession when they're on the road. The struggles really come offensively for this team as for Sanford, they're 133rd in the country in terms of points scored on a 
per possession basis, but they are supplying 19.9 points fewer per one hour possessions when they are at home. They have a deal with the injury to Jared Bynum, who's been your main facilitator for this team as he's given out north of six assists per contest. Does a good job of being able to find a way to be able to just dish out the ball in general. Now, good news for him is that he returned to that game against Arizona State. Bad news is he played nine minutes and didn't give you a stinking point. So, while you might have Jared Bynum back in this game, do you really have him back in this game? I think the answer is no. Even if he suits up, this is not the Jared Bynum that we all know and love. And for the Sanford Bunch, they shoot from three-par range, 38.9% overall for the season. A top 10 mark, but that dips to 32.9% away from them. That's more like 43.9% when they're in their friendly confines. Now they have to go up against an Arizona team that you still have Umar Bellows as just absolutely eating things alive down low. He's able to give you nine plus rebounds per game. Caleb Love in the backcourt has really turned into a nice go to score. 19 points, three assists, shooting 35% for three, much more efficient than he was last season. This Arizona team as a whole, they're shooting about 36.7% from three points. And once again, with Arizona, you've got your home and road splits with them as well offensively as this team is number one in the country with regards to rebound rate. That's 62.2% at home, more like 54% away from them. So they're still a good rebounding team when they're away from home, but they're all the more supreme when they are in Tucson and with Arizona. They shoot north of 40% from three-point range at home, 32.1% when they are away from home. You've got still Pell Larson who's able to shoot 42% from three, give you 12.5 points per contest. It's a Sanford team that they just don't do a very good job of being able to guard the arc themselves. With Stanford, they're allowing opponents to shoot from three-point range, 34.1% overall. That is 213th in off-college basketball. Actually, a tad bit better when they're on the road, but I do think that for Arizona, they're going to be able to get some revenge on Stanford. I did set my line at 17. I feel like the 17 and a half is going a little bit far. I do think that Sanford gets outclassed, but I mean, this is a Sanford team that won by double figures the first time around. I'm not going to put a ton into that because it was a big outlier, but at the same time, I don't think that it can be completely ignored as well. So, at north of 17, I feel like this line is getting a little bit overinflated. We'll take 17 and a half with Sanford. I do think that Arizona is going to be very efficient with their offense. I do think that Sanford is enough shots to be a hold within the summer. So, somebody told 163, looking over, and I'm going to be willing to take 17 plus here with Sanford, and that'll wrap things up for the Sunday edition of Coast to Coast Soups, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. If you do like hearing from the Stein Podcast, Coast to Coast Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at GNN underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline, and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the college basketball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.